Welcome back to The Betting Show on the podcast. Doug Maurice, Austin Ward, Bill Landis giving you our picks for this weekend. We'll start with Ohio State versus Youngstown State. Then we'll get into a couple other Northern games. Austin, what we like to do here is the three of us will make our score prediction for the game, which then tells everybody yep. what we think is going to happen with the spread and what we think is going to happen with the total with you know the over-under. But as we record this, we don't have that. So we're still going to analyze the game a little bit and give you a score prediction, but this is an FCS opponent in Youngstown State, and it seems like that is delaying anybody releasing a line on this game. That is frustrating. One week ago at this time, I was just singing the praises of legalized gambling in the state of Ohio and (laughs) how great it was that we could have endless props to talk about on this show every week. And then they were like, you know what? Um, There is one exception to that. And FCS games are not going to be released probably till closer to kickoff. Uh, we've all reached out to people that we know in that side of the industry. So, well, there are good reasons for that. They're harder to forecast spreads for FCS versus Power 5 uh, national championship contender type opponents. Uh, and they want to keep that away from the Sharks, which obviously the Sharks and the Sharps, and we're both of those things. So I can understand that. But I think that we're good enough that we can guess at what the line will be, and then we'll work on that. Landis, you talked to a former colleague of ours, sports writer turned betting guy who tried to kind of explain this a little bit too, right? Yeah, so I guess it's not uncommon. um, Because I was looking through, I I sent him a message, Teddy Greenstein, who's now with PointsBet. I said, hey, why is there not a spread for this game? Because I was looking last year, like there were spreads for when Alabama played Austin P and when uh, Georgia played Samford. And uh, he said that typically those spreads come out day of the game. Um, for a lot of the reasons that Austin just said, I just don't think they want them sitting out there that long um, for people to jump on them early, whatever that number might be. But I, I think we can probably look at some of those spreads from from those games last year to more or less guess what the spread for this game is going to be. Okay, so we'll, we will guess it is Ohio State, Youngstown State. It's Ohio State's first FCS opponent since playing Florida A&M in 2013. Ohio State did play Youngstown State back-to-back years during the Trestle era in 07 and 08. Youngstown State coming off a 52-10 win over Valparaiso. They only led 17-10 at the half in that game and then pulled away in the second half. Marcus Hooker. Blast from the past. Plays for Youngstown State, former Ohio State safety, younger brother of Malik Hooker. Uh, I didn't know that until I was going through the Youngstown State game notes. Yeah, it... um... One of those beautiful connections. They're just all over for Ohio State and Youngstown State. But it feels like Marcus Hooker signed at Ohio State like nine years ago. So I'm amazed that he's still playing college football. It didn't work out for him quite the same way. He didn't have that Malik Hooker ability. Uh, Tried to win a safety job. Didn't. uh, Did some special teams for a little bit and then wound up uh, looking elsewhere. But um, I guess there may be enough information that we could say, Look for more passing yardage this week. Uh, that would be my guess. <laughs> Youngstown State does have a, a quarterback back. Mitch Davidson started the last seven games last year. 12 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio in his seven starts at the end of last year it was 11 of 19 for 130 in week one. They have all their receivers back from last year. They have four of their five starters back on the offensive line. They have a transfer running back who had a decent first game. Landis, this is a, a Youngstown State team that has it has a little something. Right. I mean, we don't want to yeah. overstate it, but it's not, you know, they, they, they know how to play some ball up there. 
Yeah, they're ranked. They're, they came in at number 25 this week in the FCS poll. They were unranked to start the year, then got in there with a win over Valparaiso. Um, and I think they're, they are considered a program on the up a little bit. They had a couple lean years um, with uh, Poe Pelini, and now, now they they seem to be bouncing back as, as a program. I think a program that like wants to be a perennial FCS playoff team um, and certainly has had that kind of success in the past um, and is working its way back there. So what do we guess this line might be, Austin, as we try to, to pull all this together? Where are you? I think it's going to be somewhere around 50 to 52, uh, probably closer to 52. Bill and I were kicking around some of that stuff you know, earlier in the week. I was like, I felt like in my mind that the Ohio State Florida A&M game, I was like, wasn't that spread like 70? I know that there was one, but I and I thought it was outrageous. And he said, no, it was closer to like 50 and a half. And that's not quite like Ohio State's offense over the last couple of years has pushed that uh, those numbers a lot higher uh, and wider than they have ever been in the history of the program the last several years. Like uh, they still weren't at that point when that's that's the game that comes into my mind for how lopsided that matchup really was and the spread was at 50 for that. I think this one will be larger, but um, Youngstown State would beat the brakes off of Florida A&M as well. So if Austin's around 50 or 52, Landis, where do you think this, this lands? Yeah, I think 52 is probably right. Um, it was a 51-point spread for Florida A&M. Uh, last year, Ohio State, I think, was a 44-and-a-half-point favorite when they played Arkansas State. Yes. And that is a that is an FBS team, at the very least. Um, and I was looking back at some stuff from last year, like I mentioned, like Alabama was a 41-and-a-half-point favorite against Austin P, and Georgia was a 53-and-a-half-point favorite against Samford last year. I think it's closer to that Georgia-Samford line, so 52-53. I'd say around 50 and let me give you some numbers then. If we're thinking we're all 50 or 50 plus. Mm-hmm. In the Ryan Day era, since he took over full-time in 2019, Ohio State has scored 50 points or more in 18 of the 49 games. They have won by 50 points or more in four of 49 games. So they're not winning by 50 every week. They have had four lines of 40 points or more since 2019. Indiana last year, Arkansas State last year, as you mentioned, Landis, Akron in 2021, and they were a 52-point favorite of Rutgers in 2019. And I think that might have, there was definitely a game where I was like, could Ohio State win by 100? Hmm. And then like Rutgers came out and competed. So they're two and two in those in those games where they're favored by at least by 40 or more since 2019 they're two and two against the spread 50 makes me really nervous in this it's game. a lot Austin mm-hmm. it it do, it feels like it feels like too much to me especially in a world where they're going to be playing two quarterbacks you know drop three deep balls to Julian Fleming and Carnell Tate and Mecca Ibuka and score three touchdowns in 90 seconds and I'll be reconsidering that, but I just wanted to drop some stuff in there that even against overmatched opponents, 50 is a lot to cover. It's a, it's a crazy amount. I mean, it is hard for most programs, as you mentioned, Doug, in the country to score 50. It doesn't happen every week. It shouldn't happen every week. Um, Now, when you get into matchups like this, where it's, you know, 
being top 25 in FCS is still a gap of 160 programs to up to where Ohio State is ranked at the top of FBS. So that that's a lot. There's a huge margin of talent between these two teams, and that's why that spread is going to be so wide. But it's still difficult to actually get it, and there are a lot of factors that go into it. You talked last week, Doug, about it, when you're making a bet, understanding what you think the game script is going to be. And this week I do have a harder time with that, and it's not just because of playing two quarterbacks. I think there is some element where Ohio State, they were clearly easing into things offensively, whether you want to call that conservative or vanilla or anything else, because you had new offensive linemen, because you have the possibility with the two quarterbacks, you know, because you have Notre Dame in week four, you know, I I, I would expect they're going to do more things offensively this week, but also why would you if you want to keep some things hidden for week four? So I have a harder time getting there. The reason that I expect Ohio State will still cover that is because of how good the defense is. I don't think that Youngstown State uh, is going to be any different than Indiana when it comes to uh, scoring touchdowns. And I think that Ohio State will go further and get the shutout this week. And I have Ohio State winning 56 to zero. 56 to zero. So Ohio State is one side of this equation. Landis. You said you looked up some things about how Youngstown State, how competitive or not competitive they've been against other Power 5 teams over the years. Yeah, last year they played at Kentucky. <clears throat> they lost 31 to nothing. Um, in 2021, they played at Michigan State, lost 41 to 14. 2018 at West Virginia, lost 52 to 17. Uh, 2017, they were competitive. They lost by a touchdown to Pitt in overtime. Um, and prior to that, they were, had been fairly competitive uh, in another game against West Virginia and another game against Pitt. But the the trend in the more recent years uh, is not quite as good. And last year, they got shut out. Tress used to beat up the Mac when he was at Youngstown State. He was 17 and 13 against um, FBS schools at Youngstown State. But then after he left is when Youngstown State started playing basically a Power 5 team every year. So since 2005, Youngstown State has played 16 Power 5 teams. They're 1-15. They did beat Pitt one year. They beat Pitt in 2012. The average score of those 16 games is 38-13, to 13, which is pretty competitive. They've never lost by 50, and they've only lost by 40 or more twice in those 16 games. One of them was to Ohio State in 2008. They lost 43 nothing, and they lost to Pitt 41 nothing in 2005. I'm I'm concerned about them being more competitive than you think. And I'm also concerned about like a backdoor fourth quarter touchdown against the Ohio State backups. My advice would be if this line comes out at 50 or more on game day is stay away if you're an Ohio State fan, because I don't think you can trust it. My score pick is 51 to seven, but I don't feel great about it. And I just think, there's too many factors at play to give 50. So if if you and it's one of those things, it's like if you're an Ohio State fan, is it fun to bet Youngstown State plus 50 and then be no. hoping for a backdoor <laughs> touchdown against the backups? Like again, we this should bring you pleasure. So I think, especially in the world where a line's coming out so late, it might be a stay away. Austin, you're at 56 nothing. I'm at 51-7. Landis, where are you? I'm at 63 to nothing. I basically think Ohio State's going to score every time it has the ball. Um, 
and there might be a touchdown in there late, perhaps for Youngstown State or a field goal that does get them on the board and helps them avoid the shutout. Um, I think we're saying a lot of very nice things about a, about a traditionally good FCS program that aren't going to matter when, when Ohio State and Youngstown State get on the field. Um, Ohio State put 77 on Toledo last year, and like I know they had C.J. Stroud as a trigger man, and, and they're they're a little different at that position at the moment. I don't think that's going to matter all that much. I think both quarterbacks are going to play. I think Ryan Day is going to want both quarterbacks to throw the ball a lot and get into a rhythm and get comfortable and feel good about themselves, and I don't see them really taking their foot off the gas, even if that means embarrassing an in-state program, which uh, I don't think really plays into Ryan Day's uh, mindset at all here. So uh, I'm big. I'm big number, big comfortable win. If the number is under 60, I think I'd take Ohio State. So Austin, it really is more about Ohio State than anything else. That's obvious. The the quarterback situation, how do you think, talking game script, do you think, hey, we got to let both these guys let it rip? Does that add to the idea of Ohio State putting up a big number or if they're putting both guys in and and like that's the priority scoring po- points is not necessarily the priority does it take away from the chance of Ohio State putting up a big number because we do expect Devin Brown to play more than he did in week 1 I think it'll just be easy no matter what they do Doug like the concepts may not be the most elaborate that Ryan Day can dream up but Marvin Harrison against an FCS secondary is I feel like I think I could go throw for 200 uh, against Youngstown State with Marvin Harrison and Emeka Ibuka. Now it'd be a lot of pop passes, but uh, Mm. I I think that this ball is going to move easily. As Bill said, it would, if there are, if there's a three and out or multiple three and outs, then you think we'll not enjoy being on social media or the message board for a little bit because that shouldn't happen in this game. And there's going to be acres of space to throw the football. I think both Kyle McCord and Devin Brown need opportunities to push the ball down the field and show what they can do with their arm strength and what throws that they can uh, can or cannot make or which ones look better doing it all. I think you have to run more of the offense than they may have done against Indiana, which seems counterintuitive. But if you're building towards week four, and if the possibility of the competition still being open and ongoing is out there, then you need a you need an evaluation that is not just handoffs and quarterback power. And so those guys are going to have to do that. That plays into it. Um, and I think, again, the other part that you mentioned, this is all about Ohio State and what they're doing. I think probably what will happen with the total is that they'll tack on three points for Youngstown State to be safe and have it around 55. I was working off of that number. We'll see what that is on Saturday morning as well. But, you know, we're, we're going to track all of that stuff for our, our picks on here. But I, I do think that you're going to see more opportunity for Ohio State to throw the football, even than compared to Indiana. And that will include both quarterbacks. They need those opportunities. And the rest of the offense does, too. All right, those are our picks for this game. Austin, 56 nothing. Landis, 63 nothing. I'm at 51-7. When we come back, we'll discuss how we did last week on our picks and then make three Northern picks this week because this Ohio State thing's a little screwy. We'll be right back on the betting show on the podcast. Doug, back with Austin and Bill. Uh, Austin, did you see what happened to Landis with his picks last week? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Off to a great start. <laughs> Wait, what happened? What? <laughs> and it's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's fake money. I don't know what it is. So we all started I, with. They five. probably weren't all fake, were they, Bill? I, <laughs> they sure. They sure weren't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we really should. We should stand over each other's shoulders and make ourselves make every single bet that we say on this show. 
So we all started with a $50 bankroll last week. We made five bets, 10 bucks each. Landis, you went 0-5, brother. What happened? <laughs> uh, well, my read on the Ohio State game was totally wrong. I actually did feel like once I saw the kind of offense that Indiana was going to run in that game, I, I felt pretty good about my Taven Jackson anytime touchdown bet. Um, but then they didn't get close enough to the end zone <laughs> for that to be a real possibility. Um, Reed was way off on Boise State and Washington. I, I guess I will say, like, I, I think a lot of people were on Boise State in that game, so I don't feel as bad about that one. It was a good job by Washington. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I didn't, I, I underestimated the mighty Hoosiers, I guess. Austin, you were right on the Ohio State game in terms of your game script. You had the under and you took Indiana with the points. Indiana was a 30-point underdog. Ohio State didn't even score 30. Did you feel good about your analysis of the game because you cashed the two bets on the team that you know best? I thought the process was good, Doug, and that's why I thought that the props were also going to come through. I thought my game script and the way I thought that was going to play out and the way I talked about it throughout August, I'm not usually right about all those things, so I felt really good about it. Um, I didn't feel good about you know, some of the angst and disappointment from the fan base that uh, I'm supposed to be working for and, and providing coverage for being upset about the 20 point win. But I did try and warn them and that they could have profited off of that. So I liked that. I wish that Kyle McCord had turned right instead of left because that would have cashed both of the other prop bets for me, which the push on the first half and the second half really hurt. Yeah. Just, you know. Pretty close. Kick a field goal, maybe. I don't know. Do something. Or Indiana, maybe try on on a fourth quarter drive. But, you know, sometimes that's the way it goes. And you get close and you, you don't get the cigar. But considering that all those things were legitimately in play for me to go uh, four for four on those, forgetting about whatever Penn State and James Franklin did to me in the last minute. Don't forget about it. <laughs> Be angry about it. James Franklin stuck oh. it to you. Austin. I am angry. I am angry about it because um, I made multiple, multiple bets in multiple places on West Virginia. So, um, yeah, I can tell you that there are receipts for that pain. James Franklin did it despite me. But I was being in being in play for all five tells me that I must be on the right track this season. So I feel good. I like it. So if you didn't follow that, Penn State covered against West Virginia by having its backup quarterback score a touchdown in the final 10 seconds. And that's why Austin lost. And that's why uh, the uh, West Virginia coach got mad. So that would have been a good answer. Neil Brown was like, oh, it wasn't very nice that Penn State did that. It's like, if you think you're mad, you should see Austin Ward. <laughs> now, it did help that Wyoming was in the midst of winning as a uh, plus 440 underdog at home. Come on. Vegas doesn't always know, do they? No, you disrespect no. Wyoming at seventy-two twenty at your own peril. So that wiped out a lot of the other concerns I had. Uh, I won on the Iowa team total under, made me feel warm inside, and I split on the Ohio State bet. So Landis lost all his money. Austin and I are underwater, but not nearly as much as Landis. And we're going to give you three bets now. Again, all these bets, think of them as as ten dollar bets. We're going to give you what we're thinking and plus what the odds are on those. We'll start with prop bets first, Austin. What's your northern football prop bet of the week here? So I I wanted to be involved in Illinois, Kansas for Friday night entertainment purposes. And I, I also kind of think that Illinois is a really sneaky team in the West race, especially after having to sit through Nebraska and Minnesota last week. They play Kansas on Friday night. I 
They're getting three and a half. I like it, but I'm going to stay away from betting the actual outcome and instead bet against against Kansas's defense, which is horrible, and in favor of Illinois' passing attack, which shows a little bit more signs of life than it has in the you know at least last year uh, when they were running 65 times a game uh, with Chase Brown. Pat Bryant scored two touchdowns in Week One. He's got an anytime option on the table from DraftKings at plus 105, getting plus odds on him to score through the air anytime uh, with Luke Altmaier looking like he's more capable of throwing and playing against Kansas. Pat Bryant, anytime tutty, plus 105. I like it. I, I stared at that Kansas-Illinois game for a while. It seems like you're not, they're not sure if Jalen Daniels, the Kansas quarterback, is going to play or not. He missed week one. So it's fun to bet that Friday night game, but I couldn't get my head around game script or how that might actually go. So I think you found a nice bet in there, Austin. Landis, yep. what you got? Uh, I was actually having a little bit of trouble finding prop bets, prop bets Excuse me, that were interesting to me. Um, but I wanted something in the Nebraska-Colorado game if I could. Um, and I saw Travis Hunter is uh, over-under for receiving yards was 63.5 at FanDuel. Um, he had 11 receptions for 119 yards last week in the win against TCU. He also played a billion snaps, so maybe he's not upright yet and won't be able to walk in that game, but I'm betting that he will be able to play in that game and still be as effective as he was last week. So I'm taking the over on those receiving yards at 63 and a half. The odds are minus 114. Like it? Feel like getting involved in that Nebraska-Colorado game is worthwhile, and it's also worthwhile to be involved with Brian Ferentz. So Mm -hmm. Iowa and Iowa State, uh, Cyhawk Trophy, their plan this weekend, it's I'm taking the first half total is 17 and a half, and I'm going to go under that. <laughs> they have gone under that total in three of their last four first halves in this series. Uh, Iowa State won last week. They got a pick six to start the game, and Iowa got like a nice kick return and a blown coverage to score on its first drive. I think they both scored early last week in like very weird lucky situations and i just think the idea of a 9 7 10 3 kind of halftime score is too delicious but it just gives me pleasure to bet on iowa not scoring very much so 17 and a half total <laughs> were at- first half minus 120 i'll take that how about iowa doug a total a team total of 19 and a half against Iowa State. They're four-point favorites in the game. Like, yeah, it's- no, right. It, there's, a, there's a lot of that. Like, I wonder, now I'm, it's like they got to get to 25 points a game. Like, are they, now would they backdoor, like, keep trying to score in the final three minutes? So that's why I'm trying to keep it on the first half. But again, I, I think you're going to find me living in this world quite a bit <laughs> on this show <laughs> this year. So I that's kinda, how you build vacation homes. I, I kind of, Two dollars at a time. I kind of can't help myself. Uh, all right, let's go to two actual game picks now in the North. Austin, we'll start with you. What else you got? I, I think Northwestern should have self-imposed a death penalty for this year, and I don't say that lightly. They are the coaches were going to be implicated in all of this. It doesn't look like they practiced. They got completely embarrassed by Rutgers. The players all could have left. I think they should have just said, you know what. We cannot play in good conscience this year because I don't think they're ever going to be able to prepare in a way that's fair to anybody involved with that program. I just want to say that up front because I think Northwestern is a prime gambling opportunity literally every week right now. Um, 
I, I hope that for the sake of those players that are sticking around, that if they weren't imp- involved in any of that other stuff, that they can find a way to do something competitive over the course of the year, but I don't think they will. UTEP is favored by one and a half over Northwestern this week, and I'm taking UTEP. UTEP getting one and a half. That'd be that's a big win for UTEP. Um, all right, Landis, what you got? Uh, I actually am on the can- <clears throat> excuse me the Kansas Illinois game because um, I think Jalen Dan- Daniels is going to play. Seems like it's trending in that direction. It also seemed like he could have played last week if they were playing somebody better than I think it was Missouri State that they played and, and won. Um, Illinois last week like could not get Toledo's offense off the field. They stopped them three times on nine possessions. Don't disrespect Daquan Finn. Don't, don't don't. I'm not disrespecting Daquan Finn, but Jalen Daniels is a better version of Daquan Finn, and Kansas is has he? Devin Neal. And it's is he? Have you yeah. seen? Juan Finn. Have you seen Jalen Daniels? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Devin Neal is also in that backfield with him. He's perhaps the best running back in the Big 12, certainly in that conversation. Um, I think it could be high scoring because I, I, I agree with Austin that Kansas's defense is not particularly good. And and Luke Altmeyer did look more serviceable than, than I thought he would in that game against Toledo. Um, it's probably a bit dangerous betting against Toledo's defense because I, I, like their defensive line just like did not show up last week. Um, at least in the way that I thought it would, and, and maybe that that switch flips now, and they, and they do this week against Kansas. But I think there's going to be a little something there with Jalen Daniels also playing his first game of the year, having a little bit of juice. Um, it's not a particularly big spread. I, I, I some places it was three and a half. I actually saw it at three a few different places. Um, so I'm going to take it, take Kansas minus three uh, with uh, it's at minus one oh nine on Tipico. All right, uh, this is uh, an anti-Landis bet. Uh, I'm going to take Notre Dame. Outscoring Navy and uh, Tennessee State ninety-eight to six in the first two games of the year. We understand it's it's overwhelming competition, but still sixteen drives for the offense, thirteen touchdowns, one field goal try, and two punts. Like I believe in the Notre Dame offense. So to go on the road at NC State, uh, seven point favorite Notre Dame is. Yeah. I saw it at seven. I saw it at seven and a half. I wanted it seven. So I'll take it on FanDuel. Notre Dame minus seven at minus 118. Um, NC State's defense is okay, but Notre Dame is like top 15 in the F-plus ratings early in the year, which is like, you know, it's a little analytical inside the game kind of stuff. Um, the one thing is Sam Hartman, Notre Dame hasn't played NC State in a while, but Sam Hartman, NC State knows him very well from the ACC. Sam Hartman is one and two against NC State. He's thrown for 923 yards. He's thrown six touchdowns and six picks, and he's been sacked 13 times in those mm. three games. So I think you could look at those numbers and be like, oh, NC State, Dave Doran, they have a plan for Sam Hartman. And then I would say Joe Walton, Blake Fisher, show me those tackles at Wake Forest that he didn't have. And so I don't think he'll get sacked 13 times. And so I think there actually might be some of that built into this line. And I just maybe think people like Landis, don't realize yet how good Notre Dame is. And I feel like a touchdown on the road is not that much to ask. So I'll take Notre Dame minus seven at minus 118. Mm. Mm. Any comment, Landis? Uh, I think you made a compelling case for why Notre Dame is going to lose. <laughs> my God. All right. Hit that. You better hit that NC State money line on your second pick then. Put, it where, put the $2 where your mouth is. Uh, all well, right, Landis, we'll go straight to you. That. What's your second pick? Is it NC State money line? No, no, it's not. Um, this is uh, I got I got weird with this one. Um, although oh, probably baby. predictable, 
Uh, big matchup in the north this weekend. The Battle of I-95. Temple going up oh. to Piscataway to play those Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Uh, Temple is uh, a nine-point underdog in some places. I saw him at nine and a half points at Fanatics. I will take that half point. This is a 16-14 game last year that Rutgers won. Rutgers only beat the worst team in college football 24 to 7 because Rutgers is also among the worst teams in college football. <laughs> Temple's right there with them. I'm not I'm not saying Temple's, you know, anything to write home about. I think these probably are two fairly fairly evenly matched teams. Um and Rutgers did not beat a Power 5 team by double digits last year and uh Temple is 3 and 1 against the spread um as an underdog in its last four games. So I'm taking Temple with the nine and a half points uh minus 110 on Fanatics. Okay. That's a compelling case. I thought you were going to do the battle for the paddle. I thought you were giving a Cincinnati pit like we no, talked man. about on Monday. Where am I from? Yeah. Where am I from? I know. I know. Well, guess what? Where are you from now? You're from Ohio now. <laughs> You're Ohio Billy now. I don't know about that. Fully. Awesome. <laughs> what you got? I cannot believe that on this show, two of us independently decided to bet on the Rutgers Temple game. Wow. <laughs> Wow. I was, I was looking at it and I was like, should we just take the games of consequence or are these legitimate gambling advice sh- shows that we're doing? And I, that's the way I went. Like, let's, let's do things that I would actually take. And normally I wouldn't. What did I tell Bill Landis on Sunday? I said, I cannot believe that for the first time in my life, I bet on Rutgers and I was rewarded for it. Mm. And I'm going to do it again. <gasps> oh. This You're going nine, head to head? Nine points at DraftKings. I am taking the Scarlet Knights at home in a raucous atmosphere in Piscataway. This team is just feeling so much confidence with Greg Schiano right now. Yes, it was 16-14 in Philly last year. Guess what? It's not the same at High Point Solutions, SHI, uh, whatever. I don't know what it's called anymore. Stadium. <laughs> There's going to be 10,000 Scarlet Knights fans just ready to go down. Akron was leading Temple 21 to 7 last week. Temple had to make a ridiculous rally to pull out that victory at home. Gavin Winsett is just licking his chops, and Rutgers is going to chop down those owls. Wow. So you guys don't even have to go to the book. Just like this is like the old days. Just meet at a parking lot and shake hands. You bet five bucks against each other. That's actually the rule in New Jersey. You have to do that. Yeah. 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 We don't need no book. Uh, all right. Austin and Landis head to head. I'm going to take my last game as something that Landis and I talked about on Monday, which is the Colorado Nebraska game. I still don't quite get the line. I, I know there might be, no, I just, any numbers about Colorado's team are not indicative of what this actual Colorado team is because you're factoring in things from last year or whatever. Like, you just, I don't think you know. So I still just think Colorado is going to handle Nebraska. Without that much trouble, I did find it at Colorado minus two and a half, and I'll take that instead of at minus three. So it's Colorado minus two and a half at minus 124. I'll give up a little bit of the juice to make sure that if they win by a field goal, I don't have to push. Nebraska last week, nine drives for the offense against Minnesota. Four turnovers, three punts. One touchdown, one field goal try. Last week, Colorado, 12 drives against TCU. Six touchdowns, two field goal tries, three punts, and a turnover. So I just – Nebraska ran uh, – in an overtime game, Nebraska's offense ran 56 plays last week. Colorado ran 81. So I, I just 
think Colorado's going to overwhelm them. I don't I don't know. Jeff Sims did not have a good game at, at quarterback for Nebraska. I don't know what Nebraska is going to do defensively to stop Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter. I don't. And even if they slow them down a little bit, I don't think the Nebraska offense can score enough to keep up. Maybe it's more like 24 to 10. Maybe they don't score 40, but I don't I don't know the formula for this. I'll be sh- I'll be legitimately shocked if this doesn't hit because I just think Austin in the transfer portal world, when you're trying to use numbers and have some kind of, you know, data set beyond one game, you end up factoring in the past, but there's no past for Colorado football. It's just helmets and jerseys. It doesn't tell you anything (laughs) about this team and this coach. Yeah. And I think that certainly that applies to what you're talking about with Colorado, because I was very skeptical of rebuilding basically your entire roster. I mean, 75 to 80% of it turning over is it, we've never really seen anybody do it at that level. Like even Mel Tucker is looking at it like, holy cow, this guy's crazy. Um, but it, it worked in week one. And I think there's another example just from looking at Ohio State and Indiana, the game that we all you know watched and covered last week and talked about. We didn't really know what to expect on either side of the football. They had some playmakers on defense that gave Ohio State trouble. We didn't anticipate we'd never seen them play and trying to project them from a lower level up to Indiana and against Ohio State was hard. And I think that that surprised Ohio State at times. And same thing with the triple option and the different look there with the personnel. Like Some of this in the first couple weeks of the regular season of college football now is going to be a lot more of a guessing game. And it already was. The sport always has surprises in the first couple of weeks when you have uh, such a long off season and so many different ways to prepare and no preseason games. And Colorado is right now the poster child of that. Um, they were really impressive in week one. I'm curious to see if they come back to reality at all. But, uh, you know, you can see other examples like a smaller level for Indiana or a much larger level with Colorado that you can dramatically change your roster in a hurry where that used to be a much more difficult. All right, that's it for the betting show on the podcast this week. Youngstown State in the shoe on Saturday. We'll have post-game coverage. Landis and I will be doing another post-game show. We hope you join us there. We're going to have coverage um, live on the scene from Austin Ward and Jeremy Birmingham. They'll do some pregame stuff. They give you snap judgments right after that game. We have just a boatload of stuff here on the podcast feed. And guess what else we have now? We have a tech subscription service where you can get all the stuff that we say here in your phone kind of like taking the podcast with you wherever you go little news analysis recruiting stuff if there's breaking news it'll pop in there it's something that i've been doing for a while and uh i think it really helps build a community and so i think it's a great opportunity if you want to give it a try it's a two-week free trial you can send a text to this phone number 614-662-4509 and you get back a link to sign up and then you can get a handle on what this is and see what you think. And if you type stop back to that number sometime within those 14 days, you don't get charged a cent. So you can try it for free and see what you think. But even if you don't want to do that, keep listening here, watching on YouTube, listening on your favorite podcast feed for the betting show. He's Austin. I'm Bill. No, I'm not. He's Austin. He's Bill. And I'm Doug. I don't want to be Bill. Bill's 0 5. <laughs> me either i'm out on that this is a bad week to steal bill landis's identity it comes with a big credit card bill um he's landis i'm doug he's austin thanks to you guys for watching and listening that was the betting show on the podcast